screaming at the top of his lungs the entire time. Welcome to the Afterspark Podcast, an episode-by-episode recap of the Generation 1 cartoon. I'm Els. And I'm Spex. And today we are joined by my husband, Chesney, because uh, we're going to be talking about his favorite episode, which is episode 38, Decepticon Raider in King Arthur's Court. Hello. Let's talk about giant robots today, shall we? Yep, let's do it. What's the worst that can happen? We all die. <laughs> I can think of any number of things. <laughs> <laughs> wow, guys. <laughs> It's like that Marge Simpson meme. Can you lighten up a little there, kids? <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, we could all die. Okay, then. <laughs> anyway. We open in yet another firefight between the Autobots and Decepticons. Starscream is apparently really hungry as he complains about the lack of energy. Ramjet is still gunning to go and attempts to ram Warpath, who instead sends Ramjet flying into Starscream, Ravage, and Rumble. Starscream is ready to flee, but Rumble senses some energy inside a cave. Ravage just goes barreling past and into the cave, and the rest follow him. Because when Starscream has the munchies, it's everybody's problem, I'm afraid. Warpath, with his whole zip-powie-wowie normal sense of self, <laughs> collapses some rocks onto the entrance, trapping them inside the cave. And the interior of said cave looks um, vaguely like a temple for some reason. Starscream decides he's going to be all dramatic about it and calls it their tomb when the entrance is blocked, too. I mean, how much do you want to bet he acts like this anytime he hasn't had lunch? Seems like a really easy bet. He definitely does. Rumble then points at a rock slab and says, hey, there's energy here. This rock has uh, some weird writing on it and some sort of touchpad functionality, you know, for robots, apparently. Starscream just runs over and knocks Rumble completely out of the way. With ye old wonderful monk sound effect. Also, poor Rumble. I hope Soundwave gets mad at Starscream when they get back. Man, he hit him pretty hard. What happened to faction loyalty? Please, Starscream? Loyalty? What loyalty? <laughs> Starscream then says some bullshit about, uh, because he's their leader, he needs to take the risk if the slab is dangerous. Besides, he's hungrier than Rumble. Yeah, never mind if there are any negative consequences to this. He'll definitely be using Rumble as a robo-shield. As you do. Outside, Hoist is trying to clear the rubble from the cave entrance, with Warpath providing his normal colorful commentary. Inside, Starscream finishes highlighting the text on the tablet. Uh, I mean, ancient stone. It's, it's a super old-gen tablet, don't you know? <laughs> you know, made of rock. Ramjet turns around and points out that the entrance is magically not blocked anymore? And they are all just like Newmon out of there without any critical thinking whatsoever. Critical thinking? <laughs> this show wins that a thing. I mean, they literally had reality change around them and they didn't stop to think about it. Like, I'm surprised Starscream doesn't think this is some sort of Autobot trick or something. It's interesting how paranoid he is. <laughs> no, no, that would be yeah. the logical thing to do. Mm-hmm. Outside, we have one lone human female uh, who sees all the Decepticons and says, some says something about big-ass knights coming from the Dragon Mound. This'll be coming back later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure this won't be relevant at all. <laughs> Two human knights on horseback attack Rumble. All the Decepticons think they're just some really weird-looking Autobots. Up until Starscream just sort of pushes one of them over, and Ramjet headbutts the other off his horse. That's Ramjet solving all his problems with his head. He's got one talent and that's it. Yeah, it's in, it's all in the name. 
Ramjet then offers some constructive criticism as the knights appear to fall into two pieces when they fall off their horses. Starscream picks up a piece of armor and comes to the conclusion that these are humans pretending to be robots. The main knight takes offense at this, as well as when Rumble calls his armor outdated. Leading our intrepid idiots to realize that they have traveled to the 1500s, apparently. The question is, have they also teleported? Were they fighting in England or were they in the US somewhere? Or somewhere else altogether, and we will get absolutely zero answers on this. Yep, that's normal. Then our lone female, hiding in the bushes and eavesdropping, flees to warn her father about the magical men, naturally stepping on a stick, which immediately alerts everyone to her presence. Because some cinematic cliches are timeless. The night uh, the Decepticons are talking to comes to the very quick conclusion that the noise came from a spy, and Ravage immediately chases after her. I mean, not only is it hilarious that a Ravage immediately outpaces the horses, but he just hears the word spy and seems to reflexively go after her with no context. She's just like, what? A spy? I must go! Fetch! I think he's probably thinking about when Spike spied on them a few times. <laughs> and I mean, the general idea is probably to catch her first and ask questions later. He's, he's clearly been traumatized by how many times Spike has fucked shit up for them. <laughs> Speaking of Spike, the lady runs smack into him while running away from Ravage. They dodge, and Ravage runs smack into Warpath. Or vice versa. Regardless, Ravage, Ravage skedaddles. He flees. Smart move. The lady leads Spike, Warpath, and Hoist away back to her father's castle. Is she just not concerned that, you know, two more giant metal men have stepped out of the dragon mound? I mean, how does she know these ones are allies? Color coding, my dear. Color coding. Oh, that doesn't okay. even begin to make sense, but... <laughs> <laughs> These are good colored ones. Yeah, but Starscream is actually in some pretty traditionally heroic characters if we're going by kind of the normal color coding in cartoons. Yeah. Which is why it's kind of funny that she's like, ah, oh, yes, the, the giant angry red one is totally fine. Or Those metal ones, suspicious. These metal ones, A-okay. <laughs> These are friend-shaped. <laughs> well, they, they chased away the thing that was chasing her, so... I'll give you that I don't one. know. It's provisional, I guess. And at any rate, Hoist is clearly a history fiend as he's able to accurately date the girl's clothing. Someone's a history nerd. A bot after my own heart. She finally introduces herself as Nimue and confirms we are, as the title would suggest, in Camelot. So she's named after the Lady of the Lake? We presume, because she's clearly not the actual Lady of the Lake. She asks for our, the Autobots' help to defeat the Decepticons, to which the Autobots agree to help. Then Hoist transforms, and Spike and Nimue get inside. I mean, how did she know to get in there? Like, she just straight up sees that open door and jumps right in. Well, I guess they could have carriages. She might have also assumed that, I don't know, maybe it's just a weird-ass magic portal. I mean, that's true, but why wasn't she surprised when the giant metal man transformed into one? They're in Camelot, dude. They've seen some serious shit. It's only a model. <laughs> Later, at Nemoway's father's castle, Spike is trying on some armor. Some very ugly-looking armor. That he can barely walk in. Hoist is obviously the fashionista of the Autobots, at least when it comes to human clothing. He knows armor and dresses alike and uh, makes some better-fitting armor for Spike. We can build it better, stronger, faster. Spike, no we can't. <laughs> 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 
While Hoist is working, he asks the king why he and or I don't even know if he's an actual king or if he's just a lord. Anyway, he he asks Nemoy's father why he and the Black Knight, who allied with the Decepticons, are fighting, to which the king responds with cows. <laughs> Cattle raids were quite common at the time. Which is not the reason he gives. Instead, it's that they got through a break in a fence and ate his garden, and he apparently took, you know, personal offense at this, but well, wars have been fought over less. <laughs> Look up Washington State's pig war. It's educational. <laughs> Hoist finishes up the armor, dunks it in some water to cool it, and then just hands it all in one piece to Spike. I'm pretty sure that should still be way too fucking hot for a human to touch. Yep. Hoist is also apparently getting low on energy. I have to wonder how much energy went into making that armor. I mean, uh, I, I guess. Yeah, I have no idea. So Spike gets his armor on, trips immediately, and then Nimue fawns all over him, which seems kind of silly. Yeah, and Spike gets a kiss out of the deal for, like, no reason. Alright, what is the number one rule for time travel? Don't fuck with the past, and by that I mean don't fuck in the past! (laughs) At least not with anyone you didn't bring with you. Yes, yes, (laughs) good point, good point! I guess that would make them safe. I mean, after all, what is the statistical likelihood of this being one of Spike's distant ancestors? Look, if the universe doesn't care about the possibility of Spike doing the horizontal bombo with his great-great-great-something-grandma, who the heck are we to judge? Well, the further back you go, the more likely you are to be related to random famous people, I guess. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, it happens. The next day, Nimue's father, Sir Atheling, is hosting a jousting tournament. We see Spike getting ready with Hoist lowering him onto his horse with his hook, while Warpath gives him fighting advice. It's actually quite sweet how supportive Hoist and Warpath are being during all of this. And when did Spike learn to ride a horse? I was wondering the exact same thing. Sometime, maybe when he was not living on an oil rig. (laughs) Maybe, I mean... (laughs) I mean, uh, Sparkplug's the most interesting man in the world. Maybe he did a... Maybe he did a patch of work at a ranch or something. (laughs) Right chance, spark plug. <laughs> so Spike fights very bravely and is defeated very quickly, his horse sparing him no dignity as it drags him off the field. Yep, uh, considering that Spike is hanging on to the horse's tail, it's a pretty well-tempered horse. Because you really don't want to be on that end of the horse, it will kick the hell out of you. Well, it just, it doesn't need to consider insignificant things. <laughs> So the Black Knight, Sir Wigan of Blackthorn, finally shows up and due to the rules of 80s cartoons, uh, both him and Nemoy's father decide that whomever wins a jousting match will be the ruler of the land. Well, that seems completely unnecessary. Therefore, I agree. Of course, Sir Wagon, being, you know, evilish, is like, aha, but you will have to fight my champions, not me. Uh, I'm going to conveniently stand out and leave you with some giant metal men. Those giant metal men being Rumble and Ramjet, Rumble's holding a lance and it cracks me up. Then literally the greatest thing ever conceived in any children's show happens. My inner nine-year-old is just screaming in delight as one robot mounts a jet (laughs) holding a lance and shield preparing for a joust of the ages. (laughs) Okay, and now you know why we had to have Chesney on this episode with us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My question is, we see Ramjet's thrusters go on now, um, so 
How are they maintaining a speed of 5 to 15 miles per hour? Even rolling on tarmac jets are rather quicker than that. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's the grass. <laughs> God, this must be such a bumpy ride. <laughs> Rubble's had worse. And besides, they're trying to intimidate the humans, not blow them away with a sonic boom. True. Of course, in response to, you know, uh, Ramjet and Rumble, Warpath transforms and the Red Knight mounts him. I mean that in the least sexy way possible. <laughs> God, this is ridiculous. It's not ridiculous, it's art. <sighs> Starscream is pretty pissed to realize the Autobots have followed them into this time period. It's his world, damn it. He thought he was finally going to be in charge. He had plans and nothing is going according to them. <laughs> Isn't that just a normal day for Starscream? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> Simple physics dictate that Warpath is the quick victor over Ramjet, as Ramjet has his cone bashed in. Wait, how does Ramjet live through this? I don't think his brains are in his head. Or at least not that part of his head. Uh, Nimoy goes full Karen on Sir Wagon, telling him he'd better apologize to her father. Yep, and Starscream kisses fuck all points, decides to kidnap Nimoy to get what he wants. <laughs> he wants to color coordinate his hostage with his colors. <laughs> Starscream oh drives off with Nemoe in his cockpit, telling her dad that he'd better surrender his kingdom if he wants to see her again. <sighs> Typical Starscream. Clearly, the Decepticons are suffering from lack of energy as they are unable to take flight, and the Autobots are unable to maintain their vehicle modes, transforming back into robots. So, Hoist and Warpath end up in a pile. Uh, guys, uh, what what are those two robots doing? Well, you see, when a daddy robot and a daddy robot love each other very much... Oh, dear word, I need an adult. <laughs> you are an adult! It's still not enough to prepare me for this! <laughs> <sighs> you weren't ready for the cogs and sprockets talk. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. What are they? They're robots, Harold. <laughs> yes aside from all this madness we see an owl spying you know on the uh chaos yes the chaos the hazards happening down below before returning to a man in a green cloak naturally as we are in camelot this is merlin merlin exists in this universe guys yep yep oh dear the owl apparently communicates this whole kidnapping situation, which Merlin somehow understands and responds with, Make some idiot 20 feet tall and he think he rules the earth. And then makes some cryptic comment about getting cinched by a dragon and walks off. <sighs> Elsewhere at the Black Knight's castle, Rumble does us all a favor and shoves Nimoy into a tower. Sir Wagon protests, but Starscream pops up and is like, surprise, you're my bitch now. It's Starscream. <laughs> he wants everyone to be his bitch. And then immediately after, he just falls over from lack of energy. Wolf, who works for Sir Wigan, shows up and hands Starscream a whole treasure chest full of gold. Starscream compliments him, and Wolf gives the camera the most coy look I've ever seen in an 80s cartoon. It is Does... so coy. <laughs> Does he have his hands clasped? I, I think so, but I might be misremembering that, so don't quote me. <laughs> it's very strange looking regardless. 
Then Starscream just sort of crushes the jewelry in his hands, which somehow immediately turns it into a fine gold wire. Which apparently leads him to creating some sort of energy device that requires a bunch of humans to move around and basically... Um... Like, aren't they generating <laughs> some kind of electromagnet? Something yeah, like that? But it... Honestly, they'd get more energy if they just went and found a river and stuck it in the in the river. There's like paddles in a river. Please, the, the Decepticons are like unprincipled, allergic to green energy, dear. It just Plus, seems like it would be less waste and effort to go. there's no servitude in that. <laughs> Starscream yes. needs servitude with his lunch. Starscream's a talking jet. He wants servitude. <laughs> it just seems like less efforts have to go and kidnap people to do the servitude. <laughs> attempt to step into the machine to recharge but starscream steps in front of them and says he needs it more than they do rumble is just not allowed to eat today and back at the red knight's castle spike is whining about it being all his fault that nimoy got kidnapped spike you need to have some chance at succeeding before you can take any responsibility for the failure of the situation he's been parentified by a bunch of giant robots <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Warpath encourages Spike to attempt to save Nimue himself while he and Hoist continue to prep a different rescue plan. Well, he encourages Spike's ill-advised rescue attempt anyway. Uh -huh. Is it just me or is he just trying to get Spike out of his hair? That is very possible, so maybe. He was moping a lot. I would find that annoying personally. <sighs> Spike, or he just sounds so pissy when he is like, yeah, fine, yes. <laughs> So now, back with, you know, Sir Wigan and company. The other cons are like, are you done yet? To Starscream. Yeah, yeah. He just sounds so pissy when he was like, fine, yes. Starscream steps out of the little energy field thing and is apparently having everyone retrieve items from his grocery list next. Ramjet is working on charcoal and Starscream orders him to go get some rock salt. Rumble and Ravage have been tasked with getting sulfur. They literally only got charged for a few seconds before Starscream told them to get out to go get the ingredients. Rumble grumbles and says they also need some potassium nitrate. As a bird poops on Starscream, instead he tells Rumble that he that Rumble now needs to go get the potassium nitrate. For everyone as confused as I was about why a bird just pooped on Starscream and why that was relevant, apparently you can get potassium nitrate from bird droppings. So when Rumble grumbles about, oh, are you gonna go get this then? Funny you should mention. And Rumble's like, well, crap. Literally. Mm -hmm. Sir Wigand attempts to apologize to Nimoe, but she chucks a stool at him, as well as attempts to hit him. With her fist. <laughs> the sexual mm -hmm. tension in the scene rises. Well, she is not taking any of this lying down. So instead, the two of them fall on the floor together, rolling around for a bit. They're rolling in the hay. Sir Wigand admits that he's been an idiot. What do you know? A white male character admitting he was an idiot. Michael Bay stole so much from this episode to make his fifth movie. Why couldn't he have taken that? No! No more Bay movie talk! <laughs> <laughs> he, so he then flatters her, telling her that her eyes are beautiful, and she immediately drops him on the ground and says, They are? And Sir Megan just flops like a ragdoll. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Mm -hmm. Outside, Spike is attempting to climb the tower in his full plate mail armor. 
He gets to the top, but falls down into the moat, sinking because of said armor. He proceeds to take it off with no issues underwater. So how is it staying on? I think all of this begs the question of how did he get over to the tower in the first place? Because it was on the other side of the moat. Yep. (laughs) He ducks underwater as the drawbridge lowers above him. And Rumble walks across, completely covered in bird shit. (laughs) (laughs) At least he got plenty of potassium nitrate. He also clearly made a new friend as a pigeon is just sitting on his shoulder. He must miss being around birds that don't create droppings. He will never complain about Laserbeak and Buzzsaw again. Ramjet tells him good job and even calls him little buddy. Ramjet seems like not horrible in this. Good to know. Spike from underwater hears them talk about the sulfur, potassium nitrate, and so forth. How? It's the opposite of mansplaining. It's Superman (laughs) hearing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then we cut back to Starscream, who's now storing a bunch of stuff in a giant fucking cauldron like a goddamn witch's brew. Where did they even get a cauldron that big? Ye old cauldrons are us? That had to be a thing. (laughs) All of this has been to create gunpowder, which Starscream demonstrates by casually tossing some at a nearby wall. You know, it strikes me, he doesn't have very much respect for other people's property. I mean, he's basically just in a giant, like, toy house as far as he's concerned true yeah spike arrives at the top of the tower but nimoe cheerfully tells him she doesn't need rescuing because her and sir wigand are getting married they're getting hitched (laughs) outside the autobots and nimoe's father are trying to lay siege to the castle the cons and their human allies start catapulting uh, barrels of gunpowder into the uh, onto the autobot forces destroying their mobile siege tower Nemoy's father asks how they're going to scale the wall. Oh no, if, if only we had some sort of large mobile metal construction that could reach that height, like a, like a man, like a giant metal man. <laughs> <laughs> so Hoist uses his body to span the moat as Ramjet and Rumble continue to attack from the castle walls. Rumble just starts punching parts of the tower wall down onto the forces below. Rumble, that is a terrible idea when it's your castle. And then Warpath is protecting some soldiers who are so insignificant to this scene. They didn't deserve color. Or actual spears. It's true. They're just they're just not colored in this scene. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Sir Wigand asks Wolf for help, but instead Wolf yeets him off the tower. He's purple, so of course he does that. <laughs> Don't worry, he's fine. He landed in the moat. They had parachutes. They all survived. <sighs> Spike walks out, stool in tow, and tells Wolf that he has to deal with Sir Spike now. Oh, you've knighted yourself now, have you? Fittingly, Nimoe is actually the one who takes Wolf out with the stool to the head. Remember, kids, it's not violence if in place of guns you use household objects instead. <laughs> Hoist acts as their forces siege tower and the knights use him to scale the wall. Hoist will happily assist, but does not particularly want to do the demolition himself. He does take some offense at Warpath using him as a step stool, though. Well, I think I would, too. Warpath and Ramjet start beating on each other with big ol' wooden sticks. Just like any schoolyard brawl between two boys. Unfortunately, Ramjet wins this round because he's been able to charge more, and because Warpath runs out of energy, he gets tossed on top of Hoist. In another scene, Ravage attacks Spike, but is chased off by the owl from before, running away. Ravage! 
I'm just super small here? Like the actual size of a dog or jaguar compared to the episode where he kidnapped Chip and was as tall as Chip. Merlin shows up and zaps Hoist and Warpath with lightning, which recharges their batteries. Oh yeah, magic fucking exists in this universe, by the way. <laughs> Starscream just screeches about how magic can never defeat science. Oh, Starscream, you're about to be real disappointed real soon. Hoist and Warpath jump over the moat in vehicle mode, destroying Starscream's machine and defeating the Decepticons. Afterward, Spike laments that he didn't get the girl. What about Carly Spike? What about Ooh. her? <laughs> well, at least we don't have to worry about the time paradox of being your own great-great-great-great-great-grandfather now, presumably. Merlin tells them that they can get back home the same way they came here. Oh, but you remember that nugget from before. It's called a dragon mound because a dragon has moved in. And with this revelation, I feel the need to mention that this means that Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Jem all exist canonically in a world where magic, dragon, and time travel exists. Don't forget in humanoids. But apparently Merlin created it originally because, well, the time travel doohickey, because he needed a time travel device to get his fancy 20th century doodads. Yes, you do. They arrive at the dragon mound, and the dragon comes out pissed. But don't worry, because Merlin's got a totally magic-based solution for this problem. Dragon's Bane. Starscream is not happy about having to trust unscientific superstition. But as Merlin lists off the ingredients of this Dragon's Bane, it quickly becomes apparent that Merlin's 100% magical solution is actually just gunpowder again <laughs> under a different name. Warpath chucks the Dragon's Bane at the dragon, which explodes, and the dragon flies off. Then Warpath and Hoist go for some, you know, low fives. I legitimately think this is because they cannot raise their arms over their heads. One or both of them, I'm not sure. The Cybertronians plus Spike walk back through and arrive in the present. Getting shot at almost immediately. Spike and co. retreat. Starscream runs over and tackles Megatron, asking if he's happy to see him. <laughs> and Megatron just screams when the episode ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I would probably do if Starscream showed up uninvited and destroyed my victory or something. Uh, so join, at least me and Specs, next time for the God Gambit. Everyone bow to your new god, Astro Train. And your new <laughs> idol, Cosmo. <laughs> yeah. And I believe Specs has some uh, fanfics for us today. Yes, I do. So the first fanfic recommendation is The Human Condition by Wayward. It's based on uh, the G1 cartoon continuity. It's rated T. There's some minor slash... Um, there are some various there's various pairings it's none of it's explicit characters mainly the decepticons there's a few original characters involved and also merlin shows up again <laughs> at least once or twice um in summary the decepticons have been struck by a terrible curse they've been turned human but will they look for a cure or use it to their advantage and recommendation it's kind of a direct callback to this episode because of merlin i assume <laughs> well merlin and also starscream well how the episode starts off and basically why they end up cursed all right so it's multi-chapter and it's complete but it's in the middle of a series so there might be some stuff that happens in it that ref references stuff earlier in the series but 
it's been such a long time since I've actually read it that I'm not sure if you'd need to read early in the series, but I think this can be read um, on its own and enjoy it. But it's some of Wayward's earlier work, and she's still got it up on FanFiction.net, but it's not the stuff that she's got on her AO3 account. Gotcha. So I enjoyed it. It's fun. It's, it's just, it's a good read. And the secondary recommendation is Novikov Principle by Spoon888. It's also in the G1 cartoon contemporary rated T. It's Slash. Uh, the pairing is Megatron Starscream. And the characters are Megatron and Starscream with double the amount of Starscream. <laughs> yeah, double the amount of Starscream. And in summary, Starscream uses time travel and messes up yet another assassination attempt by accidentally jumping into the future instead of his past. He learns that his life to come involves a lot less universal domination than he would have expected. And somehow that's worse. <laughs> so the wreck is a, a recommendation theme. It's time travel and also Starscream schemes. And it's a complete one-shot. <laughs> um... This one's great. I actually read it. Um, I I think an alternate either either the author said this or somebody in the comments said it. An alternate take is Starscream traumatizes himself. <laughs> oh, I didn't look at any of the comments, but it was one that I enjoyed reading. <laughs> and that just about wraps it up for us today. Remember to check us out on Tumblr or Pillowfort as AfterSpark Podcast for any additional information, show notes, or links we may have mentioned. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at AfterSpark Pod all one word, in various other locations by searching for AfterSpark Podcast, such as AO3, iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, just to name a few. And feel free to send us questions on Tumblr, YouTube, or AO3. Till next time, I'm Spex. I'm Els. I'm Chesney. Toodles!